Hello and welcome back to A Beautiful Faith. And Henry and I are excited to be back because we had to take a week hiatus of, from recording. And so both of us are kind of excited to just be back at the helm. Uh, and it is... We're going to see how this goes with Henry recovering from a cold uh, and just me being generally exhausted. So this is either going to go really well or really terribly. Oh, it can't be any worse than the flu. I think I literally had the flu. There's no way that was a cold. It knocked me flat on my feet for five days. I'm still kind of trying to get over it. I was running a fever and everything else. I, I get sick very rarely, but when I do, boy, I just like to go all out, you know, get the party streamers and balloons and say, get well soon. You're nearly dead. Uh, that was kind of it, man. Up until the up until the nearly dead part, I was gonna make a joke about, oh, that must be why you're engaged now, because you got love sick and it knocked you off your feet. Oh. But when you said you get well soon, <laughs> you're nearly dead. I was like, oh, I can't say it now without just explaining the whole thing. <laughs> yes, and that would be that would be absolutely no. That was that was the good news. It's like I had a yin yang last two weeks. I literally had like all the good. Yes, I got engaged. My my family is rejoicing somewhere hearing it said yet again because my mother probably given up hope on me. And then I had the yang, which was like, fine, catch the flu. So, you know, I had I had I've, the good and the bad. I never gave up hope on you. Oh, thank you. Well, the best thing that happened in my life is um, I fa I figured out that I can take my dog out in my backyard, which is about, I would say, probably a quarter acre, half acre, somewhere around there quarter anchor probably, um, of land. And, uh, I can take her out off leash and she won't run away from me. Um, she'll stay, she'll, will she'll go far from me. But the second I start walking away from her, she gets a scared, um, that I'm ditching her be curious as to where I'm going. <laughs> so she'll, I just call sugar and I walk and I walk the other direction and she comes and I'm really excited about it. Cause I really hate holding a leash in the cold. Isn't um, that a sweet deal? Yeah, um, she she loves it. I hate you for your puns. <laughs> that is my favorite tradition on this show is you make a pun and I tell you I hate you. And then I make a pun later and um, then we we move on like nothing happened. Oh, man. But you, I had the best pun this 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 week, too. Just I was literally living in a pun for a brief moment because I was out. I was out speaking in the great state of Wyoming. So all zero listeners from Wyoming that are listening to this at the moment. Uh, you know, that you don't. I don't know. Did you tell them about your podcast when you well, went out? Well, that's actually true. I did tell some people, so never mind. So it's the great one person that's listening to this from Wyoming. Hey, you know, make hey, it, one person yeah, from exactly. Wyoming. Exactly. Make it two. Remember to tell your friends and the next town over. All right. So anyway, but the point is, <laughs> we, I was driving back from this event, and there's a little town, hamlet, really, outside of Casper, Wyoming, literally called Bar None. I love it. I want to go there. Yes, I've been driving through and I looked at the sign. They're like, welcome to Bar None. And I was like, are you kidding me? That's the best sign I've seen in this state. Bar None. And then, you know, the guy who was with was like, oh, my goodness. He almost said the I hate you line like you. And for the next two hours, it was nothing but Bar None jokes. Right. Like, so we stopped at the gas station there or whatever. And I was like, this is the best fuel we've ever put in this rental car. Bar None. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was it was so bad. This is the best place on earth. Bar none. none. Yeah, was in Wyoming. Exa- exactly. And so and then total tourist thing like hopped out next to the sign, like turned around and went back to the sign on the street when we were pulling in. And it's like taking pictures next to the bar none sign. Totally great. For like a pun addict like me. I was like, this is awesome. Although I'm sure those people are so sick of hearing jokes about that. Well, isn't there isn't there a town somewhere in the world called Hell? Yes. I think it's in the US. I feel like it's in the US. Maybe I have it's a feeling not. there's a couple places that way, but yeah, isn't it isn't it Hell, Georgia or something like that? Yeah, I could say that. I, I no, I don't think it's Hell. I I, mean, I don't think it's Georgia. I don't think it's but Hell. But the devil went down think... to Georgia. Um yeah, I don't know. I'm Googling it right now. Where is the city? Hell located. It is Michigan. Of course, of course it's it would be Michigan. Yes. We all thought hell was a place that was hot. Turns out hell, hell froze over. Coldest. Yeah, hell literally froze over. Legendary. We apologize um, to the five fewer listeners from Michigan we have now. Worth it. But we that picked them up in every... Wyoming. That's what we did. Yes. Well, and also you and I don't actually subscribe to the the belief in a literal eternal burning hell. So, um. It just makes that joke even more ironic for us. <laughs> oh, well. That that, that um, was not as funny a joke, bar none. Get out. <laughs> of what? Bar just none? <laughs> this is, thank you for listening to A Beautiful Faith. I am shutting down the podcast <laughs> entirely. Um, it's been a great ride. It's been a great It great was a great ride, together. bar none. <laughs> I'm firing Henry, and I'm... And banishing him to the frozen overhead. To hell, Michigan. <laughs> to hell, Michigan. Um, no, I... Uh, Does that mean you can literally look at somebody in Michigan and if you don't like that city, say, could you get the hell out of Michigan? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yes, you could. That actually, if I was... If I wanted to rename that city, I would start the bill. I would call the bill that. that get the hell out of Michigan. <laughs> Oh, this is great. So hope everybody's enjoyed this pun-filled hour brought to you by yes. the State of Michigan Tourist Authority and <laughs> and Wyoming Beefsteaks. Hey, if we're an inadvertent boom to hell Michigan's uh, tourist, uh, you know, tourist Then we expect a key economy. to the city. Yeah, and a cut of the proceeds. Uh, <laughs> cut of the income. No, <laughs> Versus so, a cut of tenderloin from Wyoming. Let's, um... <laughs> Let's give the people what they want, what they came for, other than us. They came for us, but they they stay for the topic, obviously. They come for the co-hosts, but they stay for the topic. So what hellish topic do we have today? Yeah, no, this one's, this one is, this is probably one of the most angering things what I'm about to talk about, bar none, (laughs) that that I've experienced in the last year. So I was reading... See, you respect my puns. I hate you for your puns. Um, so I was reading an article where they this this the the author was criticizing a kind of current and ongoing movement right now that is meant to help churches or help equip churches and pastors to more effectively minister to and reach young adults and youth, uh, because those are the two demographics leaving the church in droves, literally. And um, the article was actually criticizing both the movement, the people behind it, and he was criticizing those within within his own denomination uh, that, for following it. 
and for 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 going around going on you know going with this and agreeing with it and, and being supportive of it and at one point in this article and i'm not going to link it i'm sorry i cannot in good conscience give this website more clicks um the only reason even i read it is because i want to as a pastor i know i will encounter christians with with the kind of perspectives they share and i believe it's important for me to be kind of informed as to how you know how they what they believe and and how they kind of rationalize it or you know how they explain it but you mainly um, want their opinions to go to michigan yes correct and uh this not all of them there's occasionally something good and then it's immediately poisoned by something else bad um but in this article, at one point when he criticizes the pastors specifically, he says, um, he said, there was a flaw in pastors supporting this specific method and movement for reaching youth and young adults. Uh, and he said, they were trying to find Jesus on earth when they don't realize the singular purpose of religion is to escape death and glorify God. I'm going to read that again. He said, the flaw in these pastors was that they were trying to find Jesus on earth when they don't realize the singular purpose of religion is to escape death and glorify God. And no, I am not paraphrasing. That is just, that is the worst thing I have heard from pastors bar none. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to say I hate you for that because I agree, actually. Um it, it it's funny to me because that statement just ignores, in my opinion, so much of scripture, right? Like you've got just let me just give you a perfect example in, in the Lord's Prayer. I always want to say the Lord's Supper. Um the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> did he pray um, at his supper? Yes. Uh, yes, he did. Um <laughs> but it wasn't his last prayer. Um Well then we don't call it the so last prayer. In in the last in, in the last in the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> Jesus, uh, you know, when Jesus says this is how you this is how you should pray. And he says, thy will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? There is a, you know, Jesus comes and proclaims that the kingdom of God is here. It is among you. And the kingdom of God starts now. It doesn't start when I return. It doesn't start later. It starts now. And, and you have a, you have a, I don't want to say an obligation or a duty, but, but you have the opportunity to live in the kingdom of God and live the way of life that the kingdom of God calls you to live now. And so the idea of trying to find Jesus on earth being a flaw or being not appropriate just doesn't make sense to me, period. It, like, it doesn't make sense to me. If you want to talk about like literally finding Jesus, like his physical body, I, no one is doing that. And there's no way that this quote means that there's sorry, there's just no way. Um, even they know better than, than to think that pastors are that dumb. Um, but this is this 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 just really bothers me because it's such a toxic mindset, and I think it is the cause for a lot of people's deconstructive journeys. I think it I, I think misunderstanding what the singular purpose of religion is or the singular purpose of Christianity is, right? I think I think we're we're talking about this within the framework of Christianity. And so I think we'll offer both a definition for the singular purpose of religion and the definition for a, the singular purpose of of Christianity, but I think this is the cause of a lot of different people's deconstructive journeys and a lot of people's issues that they have with religion or religious people or with the gods that they believe in. Yeah, and right? for good reason. Yeah, like it's not that like that's a that's such a terrible view of God in my opinion. Like, 
I understand that I'm bashing someone. I understand they can come across that I'm bashing someone who wrote this article, but I, I, I think this view is dangerous, period. And, and the reason we're talking about it here is because having the wrong purpose or having the wrong understanding or perspective on the purpose of religion and the purpose of you being a Christian can kind of, it affects everything. And, yeah. and it, can, the, it can poison your reconstructive journey. In, act, in, in reality, it can put you at a worse place in faith than you started before. And that's like, it, it, it has implications for how you interact with others. It has implications for how you interact with God. And it has implications for how you regard yourself, your, your closest loved ones, um, family, friends, um, you know, all of, all of the above, coworkers, strangers. Yeah, er- so, error is never harmless. You might not know how it's affecting you or something else. It might not be as visible, but it will affect you somehow, and it will seek its revenge, take its price, whatever. Yes, exactly. So I think I've, I've heard this from a number of different groups, um, and you know, I don't think there are Christians that are the only ones that are saying this. I think the, 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 the first place I hear this the most from is is I've heard it the most from over the years outside of just Christianity is atheists. Um, because for a lot of people, like I said earlier, this, this starts the deconstructive journey is if they read something in the Bible, hear something taught in church or see Christians behaving inappropriately, they would say, if this is the kind of God that you follow, I don't want, I don't want any part of it. Like, even if that God exists, I don't have any interest in following it. It does. It is not worthy of my loyalty or my allegiance. And so a lot of, a lot of deconstructive journeys start there. And I'm not saying all, there are some atheists that just, that, that come to their conclusions just rationally. And, and, you know, they look at, um, they look at different things and, and they're more, a little bit more objective in, in how they come to their conclusions. But for a lot, it, th- those first seeds of, of unhealthy doubt start by seeing, I would say, inappropriate or by seeing an un- inappropriate perspective on the purpose of why you're a Christian lived out. Such as to escape death and glorify God. Correct. Um, because if, if, this is why this is toxic, right? If your entire purpose is to escape death and glorify God, then it becomes completely about how you behave instead of how um, and trying to earn God's favor so that you can come. Basically, what it does is it assumes an entirely selfish motive for religion and it makes you in it makes us intentionally selfish people because we're just trying to escape death. So we glorify God as a means to escape death. And while, yes, we do escape death in Christianity, not necessarily like a literal death at some point, not obviously not everyone does, but, um, but the idea is that, that death has been conquered by God and eventually we live on in eternity with God. And so I understand that this is a, a facet within religion, but I don't think this is the, or within Christianity, I just don't see this as the, the top, right? The singular purpose. And this is the focal point of religion. Right. But I mean, if this is the, if like this article said, if that is the singular purpose of Christianity, then Christianity also has no unique reason to exist. Yeah. Because, because we would not be the only faith community, the only religious authority that's basically making similar claims that you're escaping death or some sort of bad will on behalf of a deity or deities, plural, or whatever, 
and your job is to to glorify the deity or to to serve them uh, in that sense. I mean, if, if you want to yes. really think about that, then this could really anger some Christians. If that's if that's our definition, and I'm not trying to pick on this particular faith group for this, I'm actually this is going to sound like I am, but I'm not. I'm actually trying to say uh, something positive. Take Islam. <laughs> the whole idea of Islam is submission. Right? The idea yeah. that you are giving glory to Allah. And in, yes. in that sense, I'm not trying to pick on them for that, but I'm saying Muslims often do a much better job of taking that idea to its logical conclusion than do Christians. Right? And it's funny to me that Christians, for example, will pick on Islam a lot for that. But then if we're making statements, if pastors in Christian articles like this are making statements about is to escape death and glorify God, well, that theology is is not unique at all and in fact is shared by a lot of different faith communities. Yep. I mean, you Absolutely. could it wouldn't be phrased the exact same way, but even for example, Buddhism at its core almost has a similar idea except that you're not escaping death as much as you're escaping suffering and you're yeah. not glorifying a deity as much as you are transcending, you are in a sense glorifying the one entity that can help you escape from suffering yourself. Um, mm. Again, so, I mean, you could word it different ways, but is it any wonder, kind of getting back to our point, you said atheism's picking up on that and going just like, ah, why would I want anything like that? Well, I mean, agnosticism and a lot of the great thinkers in agno modern agnosticism basically have kind of the same conclusion when they hear statements like this and saying, that's what a lot of religion thinks, and all of it is bad. I think of, you know, uh, Bertrand Russell, who says, you know, religion is based, I think, primarily and mainly upon fear. Mm. You know, that, that's, that's what he says, and he has a lot of influence in making that exact point. The idea, kind of like the article, where you're trying to escape death and glorify God. Mm -hmm. And the only reason you're glorifying God is you're trying to escape death. You're, it's, 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 like you said, it's fear motivation. And and is destructive to people's reconstructive journeys for yeah. certain. Now, I, I will say, to be fair, Christianity has taught this and has intentionally used this kind of understanding uh, and this fear-based understanding of God and of death and suffering in order to get converts. Like, yeah. at one point, I briefly dated a girl who was of a different denomination, and when she found out that I personally did not believe in a literal eternal burning hell, she said uh, she was shocked. Like, she could not get past that one thing. And uh, in that conversation, did she said— Did her glaze freeze over? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it did not. I hate you. Um, <laughs> She—in that conversation, she said— how can you not believe in hell? It's the entire reason I'm a Christian, because I don't want to go to hell, right? Like, there is a lot of people, uh, whether they, they try, to, try to put the fear of God in you as a child, or whether they do it as an adult through talking about, like, the beasts of Revelation or the, you know, prophecies and visions and these, these horrible drawings and artwork, you know, whatever it is, we, we, try and, we try and capitalize on people's fears to motivate them. We have by and large throughout history as a church, regardless of denomination, try to get people to join based on fear. Well, that's why we even have that pop culture lexicon of a phrase anyway, the fear of God in you. Correct. So I don't, you know, I don't want to say that, that like that quote from Bertrand Russell or even the, the, the observation from people who would eventually become atheists that people are 
that they don't agree with this kind of God existing. Like Christianity and Christians are, you know, ourselves, we haven't done the best job of disproving that necessarily. Yeah. Um, but what I think you and I are positing here is even though for the majority of Christian Christianity's history and, and it's still, you know, going on now through I, Calvinism I, and now new Calvinism. I, I was just going to say new Calvinism is a doubling down on this theology at a time where yeah. Christian thought for the last 20 or 30 years well, it's been longer than that, but particularly in, in America, at least, in our, our context, the last 20, 30 years, there's been more of an emphasis like, maybe we should get away from this, and maybe maybe we shouldn't be as negative, and this hell-based stuff is is maybe not the best, yet alone the, the most biblical. You almost have this resurgence of people like, no, the whole point is to escape death and glorify God, and that's, and that's basically yep. where you have new Calvinism come in from people like, I, I remember this was it really hit the the thought consciousness stream what what was it almost 10 years ago now has it been that that long with a with a book that i i know made the new york times bestseller it was even outside of just christian oh, dis- I, distribution actually i aside from what you're about to bring up it, it you know it was actually one of the kind of formative books for my own faith yeah and, but and for this, a different reason. Yes, and this book I'm about to bring up I remember reading and I I swallowed it at the time hook line and sinker. Uh just cuz I really resonated with it and I'm not and before we mention this book I'm not going to I don't want to dismiss everything in it. Cuz like all things eat watermelon spit out the seed. Right? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So that there were still positive things in it. My my problem was at the time as I wasn't I feel like at least I was not biblically literate enough to to filter correctly the information I was getting. And so I just, I took the good and the bad all together. And unfortunately the, the foundation of a lot of the good things this book says is anchored in a very bad, in my opinion, basically systematics of life and religion. Mm. And if you go with that, it, it, it's going to destroy everything. What I'm talking about is it was a book called radical by a guy named David Platt. Never met the guy personally. He was a mega church pastor in Alabama at the time, I think, and had been a missionary, hadn't he, at, at some point overseas? Yes. Or something like that, because he was really big with their church, doing a lot of things with, like, real religion or real church or whatever, kind of, like, overseas. But anyway, apparently even my cat is really excited about me talking about this at the moment. Anyway, so if you guys hear something. But, but yeah, anyway, so he... he he launched this book, and the whole point is he had two key tenets in this book. The idea that religion is to experience God's grace and to give God glory. Which, when you hear that, is basically the exact same thing this article we started with says, just in much better and more swallowable language. Yeah. Uh, but that was basically his point, and theology in a lot of denominational circles just launched with that and have doubled down with that as part of a package of something a lot of people call new Calvinism, which is basically Calvinist theology, which is another talk for another time, and and God's ultimate sovereignty. There's other people in new Calvinism, and people are trying to figure out when the world's new Calvinism. I don't want to get into theology, but a lot of popular Western theologians are, are people you would have heard of subscribe to this kind of subset. I'm thinking one that I know pop culture hears a lot because... The guy won't shut up. Um, name, guy named <laughs> Piper, John Piper, is another oh, yeah. one of these big new Calvinists, kind of along this idea, who would say the same thing. The whole point is to escape death and to to glorify God. Yep. Um, 
whatnot. So yeah, I mean, this is almost as if everybody, <laughs> we're kind of making the point, everybody, unfortunately, is almost in agreement with the premise of the point of religion, including Christianity, which I find just as a Christian a real shame, because my understanding of Christianity was we were supposed to have something unique to contribute to to the world mm. religious stage, and by subscribing to this kind of definition, we're basically falling right into atheistic arguments that are quite logical because I think they are based on seeing a lot of people in practice believing this and, and living life this way, that all religions the same. Yeah. You know, and then, like you said, that it's fear-based and, well, I mean, Bertrand said that, but Russell, but you know what I mean? It's, it's everything's fear-based and that's the point. And why do we need to subscribe to this? Yep. Well, and and so I think what you and I, you know, despite the fact of the majority of evangelical Christianity and just Christianity throughout history has taught this understanding or have ingrained this understanding in us um, or in, it, you know, in people and taught it, the what you and I are positing is that that is wrong. Yes. <laughs> and that has always been wrong. Not necessarily this is some new discovery that we've made, but rather that the like that entire understanding is not the correct understanding for what the singular purpose of being a Christian in, in Christianity is in general. Right. And right. so I think that's, although we are that's, admitting it has been it's its definition and practice a lot of times. Yeah, correct. Well, and I think this is a culturally ingrained thing, right? The idea of karma, you get what you deserve, you reap what you sow, that your behavior grants you rewards or punishment and consequences. Yeah. My uh, karma this, ran over your dogma. Exactly. And and that that when I say ingrained cultural belief, what I mean is even though we may like even though I consciously think and believe otherwise, there are still times where something bad happens. And I think, oh, why did that happen? What did I do that caused this? Or if something good happens, I go, what did you know, um, what I'll think, what did I do to deserve this? And if I didn't do anything to deserve it, then I suddenly feel shame or bad because I feel like I should have had something bad or worse happen to me. This is something specifically with my personality type. But in general, like even though I expressly believe something else, there are times where this culturally ingrained belief, this kind of operating um, operating function is just this default setting, right, that I that I revert to whether I want to or not. It's kind of like if you think swearing is wrong or cursing is wrong, and then you stub your toe and you shout an expletive <laughs> um, before you even realize what has happened. That's that's what I mean by default setting or this this kind of culturally ingrained thing, which, just for fun, Mythbusters actually did a... Mythbusters did a episode on whether or not swearing when you're going through pain actually lessens pain, and they found that it does. Ooh. Yeah, which I think is funny and interesting. Well, I'll I... be beep. <laughs> that was the best censoring, bar none, that I have heard. Oh, ho, 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 ho. well, you know what? You can say that until hell freezes over. It already has. So <laughs> in Michigan. What... <laughs> so what would you say? Um, or I guess we should finally posit something here. What would you say is the singular purpose of religion and of Christianity? Like, what is there a difference between the two? Um, but what, yeah, what would you say for both of those things? Well, I would hope there's a difference between the two. Yes, I do believe there's a difference between the two. 
maybe we should both start with one and then move to the other. I mean, it, religion in general, I think people would argue that, I mean, there is a definition for that. Re- religion, the point of religion is making sense of the divine and having a system for which to interact with it. I mean, that's not right yep. out of Webster's Dictionary, but I mean, that's basically it. No matter what you believe, religion is you're making sense of the divine or the supernatural, and then it is a system of how to interact with it or to live life in light of that knowledge. Yeah, I would say, I would agree. I I, I would potentially modify it just to say it, it's the same thing in different words, but it is gathering an understanding of deity or of a deity and how that impacts or applies to your life, basically. How that understanding applies to your life. Yeah, I feel like I'd have to edit it and bounce it back again for a third review. I I like how you put that, except that I want to be clear, if we're talking religion in general, it doesn't necessarily require deity, because, like, Buddhism is not... Okay, well, then, yeah, understand supernatural, maybe. Yeah, Yeah. that's the only point I would push back on that, but I do like how you worded that a lot better. Yeah, well, and and I think atheist. Well, I mean, I asked you off the cuff, <laughs> and I had more time to think. Um, I do think that um, atheists would argue that, or some atheists would argue that the singular purpose of religion is control. Um, and you could say that about politics too. That's not a unique. I mean, it doesn't matter if it, definition. Yeah, but that it, I mean, does it have to be unique? The the singular purpose of religion as escaping death and glorifying God isn't necessarily unique. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's everybody on death row. Uh, yeah, just escaping death and glorifying the system. Um, no, but I'm um, I you know I, I I think that they would say it's control or for people to feel less alone or to deal with the fear of death and rationalize life. Um, I mean, any number of those. They that there's a lot of people that might say that. Um, but I, I would agree with that overall definition for sure of religion. But now what about let's let's let's, you know, change gears and what would we posit as the singular purpose of Christianity? Knowing, experiencing, and loving Christ. Hmm. Um I mean it's in the name, Christianity. Yeah. Christian. The whole idea in the book of Acts where that term even came from, which was originally a derogatory term. Uh, which 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 I find just absolutely kind of ironic in a beautiful way because, side note about history here, actually the term atheist was first used against Christians, not against people who didn't believe in God. It was it was used by the Roman Caesars, who was literally at one point in, in I think, what was it, the third century? I have to look, look this back up now. I wasn't prepared for this in the notes. But he literally makes a statement, I think it was Emperor Justinian, it was like all of these atheists in Palestine that are, you know, they're 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 doing things that the state itself should be doing, and they're gaining converts because of it. He, he was basically complaining about the spread of Christianity, and he called them atheists. And what he meant by that was because Christians were rejecting the polytheistic nature of Roman society and all of the Roman gods. Mm. They were atheists. They were against all of these gods. And I do find it funny that a term that was first used against Christians, Christians are now using against everybody else as a derogatory term. Oh, isn't history ironic? Uh, But again, to that same point, Christian, a follower of the Christ or the anointed one, which was a recapitulation of a a messianic Jewish term, basically, uh, again was used in a context where 
there was these early church followers and they were not Jews because early Christianity grew among, among Judeo populations. Obviously, it was a sect that came out of Judaism. And the idea was, what do you call these people that keep doing nothing but talking about the Christ, the Christ, the anointed mm. one? And so they said, well, we just call them Christians, right? And so, as I said, the very name we adopt is supposed to be the point of, of, yeah. of Christianity. It's supposed to be the anointed one, the Christ, which... The general consensus for the last 2,000-plus years has been when we say the Christ, we mean Jesus of Nazareth was the anointed one in this divine plan of redemption that the Scriptures speak about, So, which is why a lot of people associate Judeo-Christian teaching together because there's a lot of similarities between the two, but then they branched out. Because yeah. where the difference would be is Judeo-religion, Judaism— is going to argue that Jesus of Nazareth is not the Christ, the anointed one, which is a Greek term. They, they would say Messiah, not, not a Christ. Um, and Whereas, quote, Christianity was a group of, of Jews at first that came out going, no, he is the Messiah, this is the answer, Jesus of Nazareth. So that's why I would say the point of Christianity is Jesus of Nazareth, is the Christ. It's knowing, right, accepting and and loving the Christ, the one that solved everything, the anointed one, which we would yeah. say Jesus, not escaping death and glorifying God. I I would agree with the original wording that you had. I I I think I think knowing at this point in the English language probably isn't a strong enough word or using the word knowing. I think that that is where I get hung up only because I think knowing is a little bit more of a can be more of a Oh yeah, I know that guy. Um, like it's more of a superficial thing now, as opposed to what I would give the ancient Hebrew understanding, like the language understanding of the word no, yeah, and the word yada, um, which is what the Bible uses in Genesis when it says that you know Adam knew his wife Eve. The idea of knowledge being an intimate, an intimate act or an intimate understanding of each other, literally to the point of becoming one. So I, I you know, I would add, I, I, if if I had to reword it. I would use knowing under that de definition of no, but if I was if I was going to use a different one, I would just say in also say loving being in positive relationship with positive intimacy. Yeah, with 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 Jesus, um, that would probably be the way that I would say that. Um, and I don't mean positive. It's hard because I have to explain this either way. But positive relationship doesn't mean I'm doing something to earn or make this positive, but rather positive means that I am having a overall my my the the trajectory of my relationship with god is a positive one that overall the 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 addition to this to my life is a positive thing um that's what i mean by that yeah so so in short after we just went through those whole big definitions and in, in historical side notes i mean that religion is i'm trying to remember exactly how you worded it so we have one spot where everybody can get this understanding the supernatural and how it applies to our lives thank you there was the first definition and then the second what is what is christianity's main purpose we just say porpoise <laughs> yeah main porpoise wow it's main, talk about it's, blowing stuff out my head it's main um, porpoise <laughs> i'm just drowning over here in the water on porpoise uh, no <laughs> Wow. No, the point of Christianity is Jesus of Nazareth, the the Christ. Yes. 
Um, I would agree with that 100%. And I think that understanding that correctly can lead to what overall is a is a faith that positively impacts the lives of those around you, um, positively impacts the you know the community at large, and positively impacts your own life um, and the way you live your life. And the in that understanding and what I think is a proper understanding, behavior doesn't doesn't become a means to an end. Rather, it becomes the results of uh, the results of a prior decision. Right. Or the results of being in that right relationship or that positive relationship with Jesus. That's that that would be the idea. So you're now doing things not because you believe those things will earn you favor or help you escape death or whatever, but rather you're doing them because now you just desire to you like they actively become something that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So. There is one thing that I, I think is important for us to talk about here. and. It is basically, why is this even a big deal if at the end of the day, whatever my singular purpose is, whatever my perspective or belief on that is, why does it matter that it's correct or incorrect if it results in the same behavior? So why does it matter that I used fear-based tactics over love-based tactics to convert people if they still are attending church, praying, engaging in Bible study, etc.? Why does it matter at all if we still get why in other words, the means justify the ends kind of question? Oh my goodness. Well, now you're opening up Pandora's box because then it depends. Good, because we got twenty-five minutes left. <laughs> yeah, because we have twenty-five minutes left, and that opens up a whole nother thing about Christian theology and and and, and other points behind that. But the question is, uh, I would argue it's not the same thing. And I don't think it's a in other words. I mean, yeah, if the point is to escape death and glorify God, then there isn't really a lot of room to have to debate whether, well, as long as they're doing those two things, who cares how we got there? Uh, again, if we've switched our definition, and you were talking about being in a positive trajectory intimacy with Christ, well, I don't know of any relationship that has positive intimacy in it, or intimacy at all, if there is coercion, fear, manipulation, and other things going on, even if they're going through, quote, the same motions as a non-coercive relationship. Yeah. Right? Wow. Look, there is the non-coercive married couple or whatever, and they're living in the same house, and they're having, you, you know, and they, they share the same name, and they share finances, and they do this, and they show up at events together, and they're at church, and they're praying, and they're well, see, that's good. And look, so the the coercive and abusing one is doing the same thing. Well, we would argue there's two different outcomes happening there, and it does matter. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think, too, I think it's harmful to go about it with the wrong way because ultimately that taints and paints everything that you do from that point forward, right? Your motivation isn't the right motivation. And... The bottom line is people can tell when you love them out of obligation and when you love them because you genuinely love them. Yeah. That that is the bottom line. People can see through that. And I would argue that millennials and Gen Z are the best at seeing through that in in recent history than any generation prior. And I think it's because of the access to so many different perspectives and so many different experiences 
um, community doesn't just exist in the in the bubble that you're in, but exists online. And so I can find out that other people are experiencing the same thing I am, and I can and now I can identify that this isn't okay, right? Um, people can see through it, and if you're not doing it with the right motivation, then why would anyone want to? Why would anyone want to be a part of it? Why would any? Why would? How is that even remotely infectious? Well, and how is it remotely even a benefit to your life? Yeah, if you're just doing things out of fear or out of the just an improper motivation, then that's that's to me, honestly, that sounds like a pretty terrible way to live. Like it doesn't sound beneficial in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, in other words, it sounds like you're actually just dead man walking, so you haven't escaped death and you're definitely not glorifying God. Yeah, and you're so afraid of dying, um, you live your life in fear. Like and then it, it becomes it, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, yeah, correct. But not only that, I mean, what, what, what did um, um, true love cast out all fear, right? Yeah, because fear the, involves torment. Correct. And the idea We're referencing that would, 1 John, by the way, there, that's a yes. phrase in, in the letter of 1 John. That, that perfect love casts out all fear. And that's the point. If, if, you, if you accept that God loves you, then be, then being fearful of what the end could look like will eventually or must eventually become a thing of the past. It doesn't necessarily mean that the second I accept that Jesus actually loves me, does that fear that fear just disappears. What I mean is it it becomes it will eventually become a thing of the past because it is no longer compatible with the way you are trying or now deciding to live your life. Yeah. So that's why I think that in general. I, I think it is having an incorrect purpose is is overall harmful, regardless of whether it does mean that you're attending church praying and and studying your Bible more. And I would argue that I, I, I do think the one thing that I'm grateful for with, you know, hyper fundamentalists is or at least what I've seen even in. Here's what I'll say. When I was pastoring in a district. Versus other churches I have been in, the the district that I pastored was a more conservative and traditional, uh, traditionally based district. So district being, I pastored two churches at the same time, and these two churches were so excited, like legitimately excited to open their Bible all the time. They could quote so many different verses. They could, um, they could reference it a lot. They could reference it well. And not just reference it well, but like they they found time to study the Bible. A lot of them did have a very active prayer life, etc. And I, what I've seen in less contemporary, less conservative, or less traditional churches, is I have seen a decline in the, um, I would say a decline in the reading and understanding of Scripture or the desire to read Scripture. Um, and and just the presence of seeing scripture being read. I'm not saying that that's every church. If your church is like, if you if you're listening to this and saying not my church, good. Your church is not the one I'm talking about. Um, I have seen it just happen before. Um, that does not mean that they're not any less genuine Christians or anything like that. But I I, I will say that that is something that I have noticed is I'm fear. Is, let's be honest, fear is a great motivator. It is. It is the second most powerful motivator behind genuine uncoerced love but the reason i think we go for the 
penultimate motivator instead of the ultimate one is because fear is definitely the easiest to manufacture and requires the least amount of time investment. Yeah, but I think both of those are subservient to the number one motivator, which is hanger. Uh, that's when you are hungry wow. and angry. I think that is the biggest motivator. Obviously, I'm kidding, and that was a joke. Um, love, uncoerced, I, I'm, I'm true, perfect it. love is. Good. Um, good. I'm glad. That was the best joke I've made on this show, bar none. Ah. Uh. Uh, brought to you by Bison Burgers, manufactured <laughs> in Wyoming, born and raised. No. Born and raised in Hell, Michigan. <laughs> well, then they wouldn't be Wyoming Bison Burgers. Yeah. But anyway, well, what else? I mean, what else do you think here? Like, what? What do you feel like we haven't covered here? Or, 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 or... actually, I actually know what I want to ask next, and and what I how I want to talk about this next. What are some of the results or what are some of the things that 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 we can identify that someone is actually living in in the what we would what we would posit as the correct definition or or, or purpose of of Christianity? Like, how do we identify that or or why, you know, how does that impact lives? Basically, what are the tangible effects of a correct understanding of the purpose of of Christianity? I would think you would tangibly have less fear. Yeah, I, I just think, talked about that. Yeah, you would. You in another. Yeah, there would be a. You wouldn't be as stressed about any of that, really. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you wouldn't have any concern about it, because I think you can err too much on the on the other side of not caring because God is going to take care of it all. And then you, you know, litter everywhere and don't care for the earth. Um, or you, you know, don't care about politics or you don't care about anything because it's fine. God's going to fix it all in the end anyway. So it doesn't matter. Well, I think that's a misunderstanding of. Correct. I, I mean, yes, obviously I know you're, you're with me there too, but I mean, no, I think a sign would be an increased concern for others because if you know God's going to take care of you, that you're not having to spend all your time trying to change the deity's opinion of you and their favor of you and trying to convince them or coerce them through your deeds or not deeds or whatever to do stuff for you. If you're taken care of, then I don't have to basically be selfish and self-centered in a religious cloaked way in other words, a lot of religious people are like, man, all these non-religious people are so selfish and it's all about them and me, 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 and I, I, I. And I want to sit there and go, you're the exact same thing, but you're doing that for God. Right, yep. you know, because I have to be concerned with myself to save myself or, or to escape death and to glorify God. Right, but I'm saying if you don't have to worry about that anymore because the Christ, because Jesus of Nazareth has taken care of all of this, that he's the guarantee and lived your life and taken your death and resurrected and promises a new life and is going to put it all back together again and whatever. Well, then this newfound time that's been freed up from having to worry about myself, I can now spend also being obedient to Jesus of Nazareth's commands and, yep. and, and living to make the world even now and somewhere else a better place for others or help them understand their value or, have time to be less stressed about their fate and, and all of these kinds of things as well. You know, it's basically living life on poipus <laughs> on, on poipus. All right. Now we're, uh, now we're Looney Tunes. Well done us. Well, well done us. Um, 
No, I I agree with you, and um, I think I think you also have a greater concern for others or greater desire for them to come to this understanding because the at the end of the day, your understanding of God is not that you have earned His favor, but that God desired a a that kind of relationship and desired the the experience with you before you were ever born, before you ever did anything to deserve it or undeserve it, and that is good news in general. And so your your concern for others is greater because now you're not telling them you need to change so that God will accept you. Instead, what you're saying is God accepted you already and wants to be this part of your life. Will you let him? Because this is overall a positive thing. That does yeah. not necessarily mean, and, and let me be clear, I, I, I do think it's really important to be to be 100% clear on this. Having the correct understanding of the singular purpose of Christianity, or at least what we would say is the singular purpose of, of Christianity, is um, it, it does not mean that you will live a life free of pain, of suffering, of stress, of worry, of fear, of whatever, right? Those things will still be present because ultimately you and I are human. So what I don't want to say is this is, a, this is some method to escape pain or painful moments. Heartbreak is still real. Tragedy and loss are still real. Um, these, you know, the things that we experience are very much real. And I do think that, and this is this is why I this is why I define faith the way that I do. Um, I I don't see faith as a method of escape from those things. What I see is faith as a tool to help overcome or walk through those things. That's what I see faith as, and that relationship with God as is, is, is something that carries you, not something that helps you escape. Mm. And I literally have lived that. So, <laughs> um, if you want to disagree with me, that's fine. Um, I will cite my experience. So anecdotal evidence, and I understand that that's not, you know, statistically relevant or, or statistically, um, appropriate, I guess, but it, it is something it, it is something that I personally have experienced because I have had to walk through that tragedy. Go listen to episode two of this podcast. Yes. Um, go listen to, to Ryan's story and you will understand what I mean when I say I have had to live through that and understanding that faith did not protect. Faith does not protect you from bad things, but faith can give you the strength and the tools you need to to walk through those bad things and come out OK on the other side. So you might still end up in hell. Michigan, but it's the vehicle and the map that can get you out. Yep. And it's an entire perspective shift on the entire journey that brought you there um, as well. Right. It's an, it does not mean that all of that happened for a purpose. Yeah. You thought I was going to say something about the pun. Now I have, you win. Um, <laughs> it is, it is not, it, it's a perspective shift that doesn't justify anything necessarily, but rather what it does is it reminds you that there's more to this than just this microcosm of a moment and there's more to life, the world and the universe than the tragedy that is bef that has befallen me, whether I deserved it or not. Well, and now that your use of puns has gone so swimmingly, I would also like to add that when it comes to the reconstructive journey, which is the whole reason we're talking about this, having these correct understandings can also assist you in having a quicker well, not, maybe not necessarily an even quicker, but having a more positive reconstructive journey that doesn't continually actually self-destruct. Mm. Yeah. In, in, in other words, right, when you have to hit that deconstructive moment and you might be going through 
a lot of stuff you're having to deconstruct because you've believed the singular purpose is to escape death and to glorify God, right? If you, if you think that's the purpose and that purpose is what's destroyed or damaged you the most, then that's going to lead to a whole different set of questions, answers, outcomes for your reconstructive journey than it would be if you realized, well, this is the correct purpose, and so the things that have hurt me or the things I need to deconstruct are stuff that got in the way of the purpose or were clouding the purpose. They're not, I don't have to, it's not the thing itself. Yes. If, I, yeah. if you're catching what I'm saying. In other words, it's, yeah. it's going to change the angle in which you have to approach this. Yep. So let me, I I, I want to say this. I think it's important to say this. So I'm going to say it, deal with it. Uh, this, this is our show. We can do what we want. He's uh, saying it on poipus. Uh, this is our party. We can we we can say what we want. Um, the thank you, Miley Cyrus. Um, there may be those of you on, or you yourself may be on this journey of coming back to faith, coming back to Jesus, and you're scared because of that very purpose that we've been talking about this entire time. The 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 incorrect purpose that you had this understanding of this is how God is, and maybe the reason that you haven't even started your reconstructive journey, period, maybe the reason or the, the, you know what stopped you from doing it up to this point is thinking that you could never do enough to earn uh, God's favor or do enough to, um, to be worthwhile to religion, to other Christians, or to the world and, and to God. Um, whether that's a low view of yourself, a low view of God, or a low view of Christians, whatever that is that's stopping you, um, I just want to encourage you by saying, no, that isn't something that that is correct. Like, I, I want to say that I'm I like it's good news that you're wrong here, that that fear is based in something that isn't reality, because it means that now we can get on course and say, no, this is based on a love that existed before me and will exist after me and, and I can exist within. And that framework changes everything because now I can come to Jesus as I am. I can come to church as I am um, and experience that positive relationship with Jesus and and that loving relationship with Jesus um, that that surpasses everything. And that relationship will naturally transform you into i guess supernaturally too right jesus it's it is it is um kind of done by jesus the author and perfecter of our faith but um yeah it it starts to transform you into the thing that you were hoping or trying you know potentially trying to be uh before or that you thought you couldn't be before someone that you do appreciate someone that does make positive contributions and maybe you will actually begin to see that you are making positive contributions and you were welcome the entire time so i i want to share that as encouragement to you to say um you're wrong and that's good news and uh because now you can get on the right track and be in a better place in your own faith speaking of being on the right track and in a better place uh, even though I definitely want to second what you said, and I want to jump off of something you said, that though we might now realize that the fear is not based in reality, we also don't want to be ignorant that the results of that fear having been in your life may have altered your reality. Yes. And in, in that case, first of all, there's nothing wrong with realizing that. And second of all, we are under no illusions that, yes, unfortunately, because so much of Christianity, including in both of our own faith journeys, has at some point intersected with the escape death and glorify God bit, that our emotional well-being 
can be negatively impacted in many different levels of severity because of that and because of people who have prescribed to that purpose. Yeah. And if that is the case, first of all, for what it's worth, we are sorry that because we, a lot of sincere people have had it so sincerely wrong uh, that this has happened to you. But B, just because you realize that doesn't mean that there's not things you can do to help find healing and to further your uh, emotional well-being, and that would include therapy. Yep. Right? Licensed clinical therapy is a beautiful thing, and that can be something that could help you on this continued reconstructive journey, obviously, but also in dealing with the results of a bad purpose of religion and Christianity having been part of your life for however long that has been. Yeah. Well, and and I do want to say this, and this is going to come across as a plug. It is not, and I will explain why once I get there. So don't tune me out. I need you to hear me out on this. Um, one of the things that happens, and one of the reasons that a lot of people... Don't leave a belief system that they don't that that they are they may realize or cognitively know is wrong is because they don't want to lose the sense of community that they gained by being a part of that belief system. Um, if you are someone that is on your own, if you're someone that doesn't isn't really surrounded by uh, a churches or a church community that that can encourage you in this way. Um, a, I would encourage you to keep listening to this podcast, and hopefully we are that we can be some of that, not all of it, but some of that for you, an encouraging voice to you. That's what we hope to be. Um, but the other thing I want to tell you is this. This is where it starts to sound like a plug, and I don't mean it this way. One of my hopes in launching the Absurd Podcast Network was that we could build a community that is just like that. One where you can find encouragement, talk about the things that that matter to you, that bother you, that that make you happy, um, that are that excite you and that you're passionate about with people that are also um, in the same boat. That community now exists and you can join it. It is both it is both a Facebook group and a discord. Um, discord is a popular gaming app, but it is one where you can use voice channels and different text group or, or text channels as well. So I could have, you know, one based on each podcast, for example, um, the, if you want to join this, it is open to any financial supporters of, um, of the network or of the network podcast. So if you financially support any of the other podcasts, you're welcome to join this, this community right now. It is small cause we literally just launched it. Um, but the reason that this isn't a plug is basically this in order to ensure that community is high quality and the people in there are in there for the right reasons. The paywall exists as a filter. That's ultimately what the paywall exists for. So if you're like, oh, he's just plugging this because he uh, wants to make money off of off of our pain or whatever, that's not it at all. The financial support ensures that the people that are in that group are people that actually like what's being done and people that actively want to be a part of this community for the right reasons. So I hope that that answers that concern. But I want to make that offer to you. Um, and you can check out the link in the description to the network Patreon page. And if you should join, you are more than welcome to also join the community, which is opt in or opt out at that point. But I did want to make that offer available to you. Henry, any, uh, any final thoughts as we start to close out? Only that just remember the true purpose of Christianity is the Christ is Jesus. 
and keep your eyes there. And if it has not been that purpose, and then people have hurt you on purpose through the other things, and it may feel like you have gone through hell, or, you know, that this has been the worst experience you've ever had, bar none, just know that there is healing that can come. Absolutely. And I think that is a wonderfully conflicted way to end this podcast through terrible puns, but a positive message, um, which is the (laughs) definition of this show. So thank you guys so much for listening, for supporting us just by listening. Um, Know that we are praying for you, regardless of what part or phase of your journey that you're on. And we look forward to producing more episodes and, and to being a part of your journey in whatever way that you would allow us to. So thank you. And we'll see you next week. 